Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another edition of the Sabbath School Commentary. This week's lesson is a really good lesson, and it is entitled The Hard Way. Uh, it's a really great title for this week's lesson study, and the whole quarterly lesson has been awesome so far. We're studying the book of Isaiah, and in particular, this week's lesson is focusing in on Isaiah 7 and 8. Now, to begin, I just want to point out that in Isaiah chapter 7, God is giving the king of Judah, the southern portion of the Israelite kingdom, the opportunity to, to look to him for help, the opportunity to, to, to come to him for salvation from his enemies. So, the nation is threatened, and the Arameans and the ten tribes which make up northern Israel are threatening them militarily. And so King Ahab is really afraid. And God is coming to King Ahab. Sorry, Ahab, I keep saying it. God is coming to King Ahaz through his prophetic messenger, the prophet Isaiah. And in the first 14 verses, Really, God is just saying, Ahaz, don't worry, don't stress, you can come to me and I'll help you. What you perceive to be such a great threat is really not that great of a threat. If God is for us, who can be against and against us? Uh, the Bible says, Look to me and be saved, all you hosts of the earth, for I am the Lord and there is none other. And so the one and only true Savior, the creator God of heaven and earth, is communicating to the king of his people. And he's saying, you can trust me, you can count on me. And he delivers him a message through Isaiah that it is, if, if taken and accepted, will assuage the king's fears and will uh, give the king confidence to trust more in God. And we, we uh, Sunday's lesson points our attention to verses 14 and 15 in Isaiah chapter 7. And I want to read those verses here with you. Isaiah 7 and verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Uh, behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse evil and choose good. For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and to choose good, the land whose two, two kings you dread will be forsaken. Okay. Now, in the previous several verses, beginning in, in verse 10, verses previous to the two verses we just read, verses 14 and 15, God says to King Ahaz, ask of me a sign. Ask of me a sign. Well, a sign to signify what? That God will protect the Israelite nation and the northern threat of the Arameans and the Israel, the kingdom of Israel are not to be concerned about, not to be worried about, okay? So just, just so we're all on the same page, so you guys are following the passage, I, should, I could have just read Isaiah 7, but um, beginning in verse 1, God is 
addressing King Ahaz through Isaiah and saying, this great threat that you fear so much, it's going to go away. Trust me. And then in verse 10, God says to King Ahaz, hey, listen, you want to ask, ask me for a sign, any sign, a sign that is as high as the heavens or as low as the deepest depths of the earth. Just ask me for a sign and I'll prove myself to you. And Ahaz's response is, is I'm not going to um, test the Lord for a sign. So he has a, a bit of a hesitation because he doesn't want to test God. That's what he says anyways. Whether that was just a manifestation of unbelief or whether that was you know, just a sincere regard for God, we can't know for sure. But what we do know is God asked him, Hey, test me. Ask me for a sign to see if, if you know, if so I can provide you a token of uh, that you can, you know, be sure that my word is true. And so Ahaz refuses to ask for a sign. And so then the verses that we just read here, Isaiah 7, 14 and 15, where it says, Therefore the Lord, okay, so you won't ask me for a sign, so therefore... I'm going to give you a sign, and the sign's going to be that a, a, a virgin's going to conceive and have a son. His name's going to be Emmanuel, and uh, you know, before he even knows what's right and wrong, he's going to be eating the diet. He's going to be eating the kind of diet that a person eats when they're a nomad. So, in other words, the power of your nation is going to effectively be taken from you, and it's going to be by a power that you're not afraid of, you know? So um, this is in essence what's transpiring here in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, verses 14 and 16. Okay, now, the lesson points our attention to when the prophecy that Isaiah delivers to Ahaz is going to be fulfilled. Now, this is so interesting to me. It's so amazing, okay? King Ahaz doesn't believe the words of God. And he won't put God to the test, and he won't ask God for a sign to confirm the truthfulness of his word. So God steps in and says, okay, so I'm just going to give you a sign here, buddy, uh, that the Arameans and the kingdom of Israel are nothing to worry about. And then he, he says, a woman's going to have a child. His name is going to be God with us. And before God with us is able, even able to know right and wrong, you guys are going to be living like nomads. But it, it, the text goes on to describe that it's not going to be because of the northern kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of the Arameans. It's going to be uh, because of the Assyrians. Uh, and so the, the, the Bible points out in 2 Kings 15, 29 and 30, 2 Kings 16, 7 through 9, and 1 Chronicles 5, 6 and 26, the lesson points out those passages, that uh, Assyria... Uh, intervenes into these geopolitical affairs that are going on here in Israel and Syria and basically like takes over the northern kingdom of Israel, basically destroys it, defeats it in battle, and, and also takes care of the Syrians as well. So, so this actually comes to pass. It actually comes to fruition, and the Bible points that out. Now, I want to read with you 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 7 through 9. Okay, there's just, oh man, it's just so heavy what this, this, this passage shows us. Okay, so Ahaz rejects God's word that was delivered to him through Isaiah. 
he doesn't believe God's word that the Assyrians are going to come and that the Samaria, Samaria and Israel are not his issue, are not his big concern and big worry. He, he dismisses all of that. He, he chooses to reject God's word and he goes to the Assyrians for help. He, he's, he calls upon the Assyrians to deliver him and to save him from a threat that God has told him is not really his real threat. God says, the Assyrians are going to be your real threat. And, uh, and I'm here with you, you know, and God is with you and, and listen to me and, you know, accept what I say. And so Ahaz doesn't do that. And listen to this passage of scripture. It's just so interesting. Check this out. This is 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 7 through 9, and it says, So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and deliver me from the hand of the king of Aram and from the hand of the king of Israel who are rising up against me. Then notice what he does. Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house and sent a present to the king of Assyria. Now, this is all in rejection of what God said. The Assyrians are going to come anyways, God said. Uh, They're going to destroy the northern kingdom of Israel and deal, deal with the Arameans. But still, King Ahaz seeks their help and sends them gifts of treasure that he has to take from God's house. And then the text goes on in verse 9. So the king of Assyria listened to him. And the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and, and captured it. Now God said this was going to happen anyways. And carried the people of it away into exile to cur, uh, to put resin to death. Now, guys, I don't know if you noticed what Ahaz said to Tiglath-Pileser. He said, hey, I am your servant and I am your son. Now, does anyone out there see the problem that I see in saying this? Uh, This is the king of Israel. Israel is a nation that, that God has chosen so that he might bless the world through them. He made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai, that he would be their God and that they would be his, his people. And um, they fulfilled their part of the arrangement. He fulfills his part of the arrangement. They have a unique and special relationship with God, with the King of heaven, with the King of earth, with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords has been reaching out through the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz, who's really, really afraid of his military enemies. And he's like, I'll help you. I'm here for you. You know, here's what you should worry about. Here's what you should be thinking about. And that message is, is rejected. Ahaz disregards God's, uh, you know, a message to him and appeal to him. And he, he goes to the king of Assyria for help. And when he goes to the king of Assyria for help, he says, I'm your servant. I'm your son. I'm going to read to you Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. Notice this. When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So here is the king of the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel, according to God, is is 
is in a relation with him as if it was his son. And he's calling the nation of Israel out of Egypt. You're my son. I'm, I'm your father. That's the kind of relationship we have that I, I have with you. And here's the king of Israel saying to the king of the Assyrians, I'm your servant. I'm your son. Please help me. Now, guys, this teaches us that fear leads you to do things that are really, really bad, that really, really don't make any sense. You know, he's reaching out for the help of the Assyrians and he's appealing to the king and saying, I'm your servant. I'm your son. Wait a second. No, no, no. You're supposed to be the servant of God. You're supposed to be acting in relationship to God as God's son. And, but no, you're rejecting the word of the prophet, which is the word of God to you. And you're not wanting to ask God of a sign to confirm his words. Now, the, my mind is connecting this statement of King Ahaz with something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23. He was giving a message to the, um, the religious leaders of his day and by extension to us too. And he, he says, call no man on earth your master. Call no man on earth father. And call no man on earth teacher. And after every statement where he says, call no man, he says, for one is your master, Christ in heaven. For one is your teacher, Christ in heaven. For one is your father, Christ in heaven. Of course, he's not saying that the term father or teacher you know, are, are somehow terms you cannot use and apply to an earthly person. He's just simply saying, like, on the ultimate level, like, on the supreme level, on the, on the complete, in the complete sense, no one on earth is your master, no one on earth is your teacher, no one on earth is your father. For you're children of God, you're to be taught of God, and um, you're to be submissive and subservient to God, first and foremost. And God teaches you through others, he leads you through others and, you know, guides you, you know, through others and loves you through others. But ultimately, you are the son of God, the servant of God, and you are the student of God. And, and you shouldn't confuse that. Um, you shouldn't get confused in that. And this is kind of what Ahaz is confused about, you know. Now, uh, the lesson goes on on Monday's lesson to 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 kind of kind of take us further into the text of Isaiah chapter 7 and they they labeled the they titled this day's lesson perfectly it's called foreseen consequences and so the lesson highlights what happens to Judah at the hands of the Assyrians so they go to Assyria for help and God says yeah you just don't really need to do that cuz I'm telling you, I'm predicting for you that, that the threat of northern Israel and the Aramaeans is a non-issue. I'm telling you that already. They're going to be conquered by the Assyrians, but you don't believe me. You go to the Assyrians for help. And then, and then God predicted through Isaiah that there's going to be a sign and Emmanuel's going to be born. And before he's old enough to tell right and wrong, you're going to be living like a bunch of nomads because of the Assyrians and the pressure that they're going to place upon you. And it's going to be terrible and, and very difficult. And yeah, so the consequences that come upon the Israelite nations 
our foreseen consequences. And Isaiah 7 talks about those foreseen consequences. And um, I want to read with you uh, from 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 20 through 25. Notice this. It's really, really interesting. I'm turning in my Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 28, and we're going to read together verses 20 through 25. The lesson highlights this passage as a part of the study. Check this out. So verse 20 says, So Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him, although Ahaz took a portion out of the house of the Lord and out of the palace of the king and the princes and gave it to the king of Assyria. It did not help him. Uh, I think that those words should be etched deeply, deeply into our minds. It did not help. So he refuses the word of God. He goes to the king of Assyria and going to the king of Assyria, sacrificing the wealth of the nation, taking items and furnishings from the Jewish sanctuary where the true God is worshipped and giving them as a, as a payment to the king of Assyria. It did not help. It didn't help. Let's continue to read. Now, in the time of his distress, this same king Ahaz became yet more unfaithful to the Lord, for he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, and said, Because the gods of the kings of Aram helped them, I will sacrifice to them, that they may help me. But they became the downfall of him and all Israel. It's okay. So militarily, he feels inferior to his northern threats, right? And so he adopts their worship system, their, begins to pray to the gods that they pray to. It's just, it's just crazy, this guy. Uh, but they became his downfall, the Bible says, and the downfall of all Israel. Moreover, when Ahaz gathered together the utensils of the house of God, he cut the utensils of the house of God in pieces, and he closed the doors of the house of the Lord and made altars for himself in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked the Lord, the God of his fathers, to anger. Now the rest of his acts and all of his ways from the first to the last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel." So Ahaz slept with his fathers, and they buried him, notice this, in the city, in Jerusalem. For they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah his son reigned in his place. They wouldn't even bury him in the place where you bury kings. Because he caused their downfall. He led them into the occult worship of the surrounding nations because he feared them militarily. And so he died an ignominious death, and they would not even, well, they wouldn't say that. He died in ignominy, and his people hated him. And they wouldn't even bury him with the rest of the kings of Israel. So let us not go to earthly rulers, earthly governmental systems, and earthly powers for help. Let's seek God for help. 
Let's look to God for help, not to earthly powers and kingdoms and rulers and thought leaders. Let's go to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Let's search the prophetic record. Let's accept the testimony of Scripture and let us put our God to the test um, uh, for, for what he has promised and what he has said. Now, just a quick side thought on the idea of putting God to the test. Uh, depending upon how you look at it, um, testing God is, is fine. It's perfectly fine to test the Lord. Um, but th there is a way that you can test God that is not right, that is not good. In Matthew chapter 16, there's an example of this. Jesus is being tested by the religious leaders of his day, and they say, hey, Jesus, we want you to give us a sign to confirm for us whether or not you're the Messiah, you're the Savior. And they're not approaching him in humility because they want to learn and they want to know. Uh, they're actually kind of approaching him as if they are the judges, and he is the judged. They are the authority, and he is the subservient. And so they're like, hey, give us a sign. And then Jesus is like, guys, you know, in the evening when the sky is red, you say, oh, there'll be fair weather tomorrow and good sailing. And, you know, but when the sky is red in the morning, you say, oh, well, it's going to be rough. Um, you've heard that statement, uh, red in the evening or a red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. That, I don't know if it comes from Jesus' statement here, but Jesus is saying, in essence, the same thing as that statement. I heard that as a kid as I grew up in Key West, Florida, because I spent lots of time in the ocean on boats. And so, yeah, Jesus is saying, to, he brings this up to the religious leaders, and then he says, you know, you guys, you can discern the signs that are in the natural world, like the signs that indicate what weather is going to be like, but you cannot discern or understand the signs of the times. And this is an evil and sinful generation, and no sign will be given to your generation except for the sign of Jonah, the prophet, for as Jonah was in, and then that's all that he says there, but in another place in chapter 12 in Matthew, he says, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. So here Jesus shows disapproval of people who are asking him for a sign. And it's because of their attitude, it's because of their disposition, it's because of how they're approaching him. But, you know, Jesus gave lots of signs to people while he was here. You know, just the raising of Lazarus was a sign that, to Mary and to Martha that, yes, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet he will live. And so Jesus is not unwilling to give us signs, and God is not unwilling to give us signs. It's just that you know, they have to be based upon what his word says. He has to be, you know, he's asking Ahaz, hey, you know, ask me for a sign. He's offering that opportunity to Ahaz as his servant, as his, as the leader of his people. Um, and he's already been prophesying to Ahaz by, through Isaiah. So he's basically saying, ask a sign about whether or not my word that I've prophesied to you is going to come true. And uh, he's not willing. That's, that's wholly different than proud, arrogant religious leaders saying to the called of God, hey, you need to prove yourself to me, right? Like, that's just insane. And so, no, no, don't test me like that. Like, 
this is the Messiah, and the scripture predicted his arrival. And there's a time prophecy in Daniel that alerts everyone who wants to read it and study it carefully when the, the Messiah would arrive. And the Messiah's character, his mission, was described by the prophets, where he was born was told uh, about by the prophets. All, all these various aspects of his life and ministry, you know, they're, they're there available to you, and you guys can discern the signs of the times, but you can't discern, um, sorry, you can discern the signs in the weather, but you can't discern the signs of the times? Nah, get out of here. So it's, you know, it's okay to, to test God uh, when he, in the sense that like, hey God, you've said this in your word, I want to place my trust in you, my confidence in you, and I'm going to put you to the test and, and I'm going to claim the promises of your word. And I'm going to hold you to your word, God, because uh, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm choosing you, I'm believing in you, that's fine. That's totally fine. But if you're coming to God as some proud, pompous judge and saying, you know, you're going to prove yourself to me, you know, it's like, oh, no, no, he's, he's the savior of the world and you're the lost sinner. Uh, just understand your place in that, you know. So that's just the side note I wanted to address there real, real quickly. So in essence, guys, the lesson goes on to kind of emphasize in, in greater detail the points that we have already covered thus far in Sunday and Monday's lesson, it points our attention to chapter 8, Wednesday's lesson, or Wednesday's lesson in chapter 8, um, sorry, sorry, Tuesday and Wednesday's, Wednesday's lesson, which, which hones in on chapter 8. And Isaiah has a son at the beginning of chapter 8, and um, it, a similar circumstance surrounds the birth of his son as surrounded the birth of uh, God is with us, uh, the birth of um, Emmanuel, that's predicted in chapter 7. So, uh, but before he is able to, to cry for his mom and dad, the promises of God, the predictions of God, the prophecies of God are going to come to pass. And, um, and then Wednesday's lesson, you know, talks about verses 11 through 15, kind of the same thing. Now, I'm just going to highlight one thought from uh, Wednesday's lesson, and then I'm going to bring this commentary to uh, a, clo a close. In Revelation chapter 13, you see a very scary scenario unfolding at the end of time. A system is constructed that looks a lot like medieval Europe, except this system is a global system. And the Bible says that a mark is going to be given to those people on the planet, that people on the earth are going to be forced to receive a mark that's of the beast and uh, that, that comes from, that emanates from the Middle East, medieval church. And uh, that's going to be attached to this global system that's set up at the end of time. And if a person does not receive this mark, of the beast, that's from the beast power of the Middle Ages, the, the fallen Christian church of the Middle Ages, then they're not going to be able to buy or sell. And they'll even have their life threatened. They can be killed. When you really settle into these concepts, that, that concept, that idea, that truth, it can be very disconcerting, very scary. And your tendency can be to look for worldly help 
for worldly assistance, right? Like you can, you know, like some people do, they, they, they get really frantic about where to place their money so that at the end of time, they'll be able to, you know, survive and live. And so in a sense, they're trusting in, in their own intelligence or they'll go to other, you know, certain gurus, certain, you know, speculators, and they'll try to learn how they can survive the troublesome things that are to come. But I think that what people should do is what the Bible says we should do in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7. Fear God and give Him glory, for the hour of His judgment has come. So the call is to not focus on the beast and his power and not search for help from you know, earthly systems, earthly powers, earthly kingdoms, but to rather go to God. In the United States, you know, there's lots of issues happening right now. And just like the nation, the Seventh-day Adventist church there is divided, and primarily it's divided because it's not looking to God to solve its problems. It's looking to politics. And so half of the Seventh-day Adventist church in America believes that the, the Democratic the Democrat Party is the greatest threat to religious liberty. The other half believes the Republican Party is the greatest threat to religious liberty. And so what they do is they side with a political party in hopes that a political party will save them from what the Bible predicts is going to come upon the earth. But I find this to be very similar to what Ahaz is doing. It seems very, very much like what Ahaz is doing. Revelation 13 is going to come to pass, whether through the Democrats or the Republicans or the whoever's. And it's going to come to pass because it because God has foreseen that it's going to come to pass. He does not give specific and precise details about whether or not it's going to be the Democrats or the Republicans or a combination of both. Will they rally around a common cause? You know, that those details are not given. And so to think your political party is going to save you, you know, I'm going to get in bed with the secularists because I'm afraid of evangelical Christianity and their zealousness for enshrining their viewpoints into law. Like, well, don't you think, you know, there's plenty of liberal religionists. There's plenty, you know, people on the liberal side of the political aisle who are perfectly happy to legislate their versions of lifestyle morality. So, you know, don't get in bed with the secularists, with the secular left or the, the, the politically liberal thinking that they're going to stave off the mark of the beast crisis. They could be the very ones through whom it comes, you know. And at, at the same time, you don't want to get in bed politically with uh, right-wing parties because you, know, you think that they're going to save you from the left, you know, from the secular left or the more liberally religious left. Um, we, we should be looking to God, like fearing God and giving Him glory uh, for the hour of His judgment has come. When we fear God, when we, when we revere God, when we honor God, truly as we should we're not so we we're not so worried then about earthly powers and earthly governments and earthly systems um you know i've heard this said before about elijah the prophet and how bold and brave he was uh, he was a man who stood in opposition to the world basically like he was a man alone uh, i mean god said that there were seven thousand others more quiet and docile personages who had not bowed their knee to Baal, but they weren't out proclaiming the way that he was proclaiming. And so, you know, he he, he felt as if he was alone. And, and to a great extent, he was willing to take independent stances on what was right and have showdowns with not only, you know, pagan rulers, but 
his own nation. You know, he was a reformer in his own nation. And so he was forsaken by the king of Israel. He's forsaken by the queen of Israel. He's forsaken by the priests of Israel. He's basically forsaken by the people of Israel. And he's just a powerful man of God, raising his voice to call people to repentance in the name of God and to teach the truth. And it was said about this person in one book that I read that, that Elijah was not afraid of earthly kings because he regularly found himself in the presence of the king of kings. And so he feared God, and this gave him strength not to fear men. Jesus says, do not fear those who can destroy the body, but afterwards cannot destroy the soul in Matthew 10 and verse 28, but rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. If we are informing ourselves through Scripture, committing ourselves to Scripture, applying Scripture to our lives and focusing solely upon the King of kings, the Lord of the Word of God, um, it will give us strength and it will give us courage. And we won't be so afraid of the world around us. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things that must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his prophet John for his servants. Um, so just, just think about that. The book of Revelation is a book that describes the future. It gives us God's view of the future from the time of John to the very end of time. And it's, the, it's a revelation that comes from God. Uh, and it's, it's, it's given to Jesus. And, it's, so then, and therefore, it's of Jesus Christ. And it's given to his servants to show his servants what's going to come to, what are, what, what's going to, come to pass. Now, the book of Revelation, it, it's, it draws heavily upon Old Testament stories. And so to understand the book of Revelation, you need to understand the Bible itself. Right? If you fear God and if you give Him glory, you're going to be someone who's studying to show yourself approved before God. Right? 2 Timothy 2.15 A workman that does not need to be ashamed, who can rightly divide the word of truth, who can be guided in truth because you know the word of truth, because you fear God and you seek Him. You don't seek conspiracy theorists. You don't seek help from political factions and parties and from CNN and Fox News. You seek help from God and from his, his word. So this is a very pertinent, very relevant lesson as the United States inaugurates Joe Biden uh, as president of the United States. Half of the United States and the rest of the world is terribly afraid and assuming that he is going to be a massive threat to religious liberty. And they're really, really worried because even though Donald Trump was a barbarian, crass, crude, rude, horrible communicator, and uh, sloppy human being, as far as on a relational level, they're afraid because they're thinking, wow, uh, Joe Biden is an institutionalist. He's an institutional guy. He's just going to do what all the other presidents did, and it's bow down to global pressures and use the U.S. military to just kill people in, in um, the Middle East, you know? And Donald Trump didn't do that. He was big on civil liberty, and he was virtually a libertarian in his policies, and all of his critics, they hate him. Uh, and they style him as a really horrible person. And yeah, he was a real barbarian, but he, he didn't start foreign wars and he was really big on religious liberty and protecting civil liberties as a whole. And so Joe Biden, man, he's going to start foreign wars and whatever. And they're freaked out. And he's a pawn of the left who's making these very oppressive rules around free speech and who are utilizing 
massive media corporations to just condition the society and they're, so they're super afraid, they're super freaked out. Other people are thinking, wow, good. We've got this pawn of the evangelical right who wants to impose kind of a theocratical system on the rest of the world. He's out of the way and now we've got a more liberal and happy. You know, So this is, this is the narrative. This is what's going on in our world right now. And I would say the word of God is telling us all, if we're Bible-believing Christians, forget about all that nonsense. Forget about all that silliness. Not when I say forget about it, I'm not saying don't be informed, but don't get so freaked out about it. Don't be so concerned about it. Rather, go to the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon come to pass. Get into the word of God. Fear the Lord. Uh, look to him to be saved. Let's trust in him. Let's live before him. And let's not fear the beast, fear the global scenario that's that's coming upon us. Um, let's, let's just have peace in God and uh, have strength in God. Um, it's been a blessing to share some of the thoughts from this week's lesson with you guys. It was a huge blessing blessing for me to study the lesson. I'm super excited. There's so many more lessons here that could be brought forward and so much more that could be assessed. You know, Ahaz, what a chicken heart. Let's not be like him, hey? Uh, let's, let's not be like him. Uh, also, let's remember Going to earthly powers is, is silly. It's a bad idea. You know, he's a child of God. He has access to the, to, the, to the scriptures and to the creator. That's where he should have been going. And the very kingdom he went to for help actually brought his, you know, began his, basically brought him down and oppressed his people. And so you think, you think those who you, you hide behind in this world uh, like say a political party aren't going to come for you if it, when it suits their aims and, and ends of course they're going to it, you know they may pro pro provide provisional support and temporary relief from you know from difficulty but they're going to come after you eventually too so let's uh let's not trust in princes or the son of men because in them there is no help Let's trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not to our own understanding and in all of our ways acknowledge him for he will direct our paths. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Have a fantastic Sabbath. All the best. Bye-bye.